Praise the Lord. I uh, have to just, I've just admit something and just not admit, but just confess that, that and tell you in a head. I don't know if it's a confession or admission, but so I was telling my wife last night. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, oftentimes this happens, not often, but from time to time, you know, you, you prepare a sermon, you have a sermon, and you're ready to go. And then you wake up Saturday and you're seeking the Lord and you're thinking and your mind is consumed and God gives you a message. So you go with the message. You go with the message. So whatever you got in your emails, praise team, and whatever about the text and the sermon, hey, you know, it is what it is. Hallelujah, right? God's good. Listen, I... We just want to challenge you and remind you of something. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit will use this to cause us to be what we're supposed to be. That's always our desire. So if you want to turn in your your Bible to John chapter 7 and verse 38, it's a very well-known passage. And I'll be making all kinds of connections as I go through because it's just, wow. You have to help me contain myself today. But in John chapter 7, Jesus is at the Feast of Tabernacles and, and John makes that, that, that uh, pretty, pretty clear in the text there. And as he is there and he's attending, he gets up and on the last day in our text that, that I pointed out, Jesus stands up on the last day of this week-long feast and he says some words. The Feast of Tabernacles was a feast, among many others, that the Jews, the Israelites celebrated, the Jews celebrated, and it was a reminder, it was to commemorate when they were going through the wilderness, right? They, they, they were freed from their slavery to Egypt and, with it, and to the Egyptians. And they go out and they leave with the, the direction of, and leadership of Moses, and when they get across the Red Sea, they are wandering because of a lot of reasons. We won't get into them. They're not good. And they're wandering around for many years. And as they're wandering, God is allowing them to suffer. Right? There's a shortage of food, of water many times, and then God came through at the right time, and He spared them, and He came through. And this was a feast where, this was remembered, this was recalled, because after they got into the land of Canaan, they had plenty. They had all they could want. They had everything. They had all the milk, the honey, the, the pictures there, all the water. They were never hungry. They were satisfied in, in, as far as, as, as a people, but physically with those needs they had, they, they, didn't, they didn't have to struggle like they did in the wilderness with all their moaning, complaining, and groaning, and, and, and disobedience, and rebellion against leadership. And they, they didn't have to deal with that. They were blessed, and they remembered this. And part of what went on also was the Pool of Siloam was involved as well in this process with the priests and those who were in leadership remembering uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles. They would draw water and go to that pool and there was all kinds of symbolism and ceremony that involved water, right? And, and, And it was a powerful time. And Jesus gets up and He says on the last day to all those, He says, whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Now, verse 39 makes it clear, just to point this out to you, that 
Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit. You can't mistake it. You don't have to wonder and guess what that living water is. Because in verse 39, actually, we could do it like Sunday school or Bible study, right? What does this say in verse 39? Somebody can read it. It's okay. What does it say? Very, very clear. Do you understand what Jesus was talking about? When he referenced the Holy Spirit and this living water and where that comes from, who that was, he says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so often we just blow off that verse 39. We want that living water and what it could be and all we can have. And we forget that it's the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John chapter 6, in referencing the Spirit, earlier in John chapter 6 in your Bible, and um, I'm going from my head, but in John chapter 6 verse, with this Scripture, in verse 63, he says something. He says, where is it? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The word and the spirit are connected. You can't separate the two. They go hand in hand. Word of God. And, and Jesus is the word and he came. And, and he is there and he makes that promise in John chapter 14 and chapter 16 that he wouldn't leave his disciples alone and that He would send His Holy Spirit when He is no longer present physically on this earth. And it's amazing because if you want to think about it, the evidence that Jesus is alive and well and resurrected is that He sent His Holy Spirit. And His Spirit lives in the hearts of believers. Now, today. Amen? Amen? Jesus is alive. He sent His Spirit. He lives inside of us by His Spirit. What a powerful thing. And Jesus makes it very clear that out of the heart will flow these rivers of living water when we believe on Him, as the Scriptures say. Now, here's the thing. Here's the message. In Israel, and you may have heard this before, and I may have alluded to it in a very small part in the past, but in Israel, there are two bodies of water primarily that are known to be the bodies of water. You have the Sea of Galilee in the north, and then you have the Dead Sea in the south. The the, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea in the south. And they were not that far apart. They were only 20-some miles apart, pretty close, right? They weren't weren't very far apart. 13 miles long is the Sea of Galilee. I I checked this out real quick this this morning and last night. I I had to look. And it's seven miles Wide. It's not that big. And yet, it was a, a body of water that was so alive, just thriving on the banks and also in, in the waters themselves, with lush foliage and with seaweed and all kinds of plants in there. And the, 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 the fish that lived there is amazing, right? And it was absolutely beautiful to look at and see. And again, in Jesus' time, there were cities that surrounded, historically, the Sea of Galilee. Surrounded the, the, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And listen, why not? There's life there. Why not live by something where there's life and there's resource and can sustain you and you can thrive there? I want to live there too, right? 
And it, the, the fisheries, of course, and all the fishermen and all the fish that they would pull out, it was famous in the Roman Empire because they provided so much seafood in that, that world of trade with seafood and industry. Who likes seafood? I do. I love it, right? No, not seafood when you open your mouth, kids. But like seafood, right? <laughs> seafood in the water, right? The, 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 the amazing, nutritious, low-fat stuff that you can eat that sustains you. It's powerful, right? good stuff and it was powerful because it was a place of life now it's interesting too i made a little note because i was thinking about this and it's this is where jesus found if i could put it that way or chose but he found his fishers of men the sea of galilee place where there's life and there's already fish there and there's it was this amazing picture and jesus uses it not by accident this is all planned by god the father and jesus is fulfilling this and he's saying this because he's inspired by the spirit of god and he and he, and he also it's the same sea where jesus tells his disciples to cast on the other side and when they bring fish in they can't even haul it in right again evidence of how teeming with life this body of water was in john chapter 21 and there the boats are even sinking now to the south, there's this other body of water, the Dead Sea, as I mentioned. This sea is 50 miles long, and it's a little wider. It's 11 miles wide, right? And it's way below sea level. Sea of Galilee was too, but the, the Dead Sea was way below sea level. I mean, it's like a quarter mile below sea level almost. And I listen, I don't know if this is true, but supposedly... I'm not a scientist. I don't do all the calculations, but I, when I looked and I compared some, some, some numbers... Apparently, there are seven, I don't, now listen, it's a big body of water. This is astounding. Seven million tons of water evaporate from the Dead Sea every day. Can you imagine how much water evaporates globally every day? But the Dead Sea, specifically because of where it is, how much evaporates. And not only that, did you know, I'm not here, this is in science class, but this is important to know. When you go to Mesquamica Beach, some of you don't like the beach, that's fine, but you go there, and if you've ever gone boogie boarding, and you jumped in, or you got splashed, and you got a mouthful of water, you like it, don't you? Mmm, tasty. That water is only 3.5% salt. Did you know that? You might think it's more. It's only 3.5% salt. Do you know how much salt and how salty the salinity of the Dead Sea is? It's almost 35%. Can you, that's crazy, you can float in it. Some of us know that. You, well, a lot of us, you can float in it. But here's the thing, there's nothing alive. Because it has a lot of other fun chemicals in it. Nothing lives in it or around it. Nothing. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why nothing lives in it or even around it. And it's an important thing to notice, not just about in it, but what's around it too. Because what's in also has an effect about what's around you. Okay? You'll, 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 you'll get this. You'll, you'll connect this. And, and the saltiness. And, the, and it looks beautiful. The water looks amazing on the outside. You look, wow, but there's nothing around it. And it's just dead. Dead. Dead, 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 right? And people go there because it looks good and you can have fun floating in it. And yet, that's a great picture of how life without Jesus is. We can live this life without Jesus and in our sin and all the, and, and just wickedness and, and not caring about God. And we float through life. All along, we're just floating in death. 
That's it. There's nothing there. We're going through the motions. It looks good on the outside. We even have colorful beach chairs or, or swim trunks. You don't even beach chairs or floaties in the, in the Dead Sea. And you're showing off your fashion. And it looks beautiful. And you take pictures and then you get a selfie. And then you put it on Snapchat or whatever people do anymore. I don't know what that is, right? Instagram, whatever, right? And, and it all looks good on the surface, but there's no life. There's nothing. You can't drink it. You can't live off of it. Nothing grows that will sustain you. There's nothing but death. It lives up to its name. It is dead. You know, there's actually recorded in, 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 in uh, some ancient manuscripts, but also there's a mosaic in, in that region from, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago that there were fish, there's a mosaic of fish swimming toward the Dead Sea, but they were turning around from it with a tributary. Because it was deadly if they went into the Dead Sea. They're done. They, they, can't, they will not live there. That's how powerful it is. I mentioned they were 23. I'm sorry, I said 23. They're 63 miles apart. See, I read that wrong number up there. But listen, how is it, 60 miles apart or so, how is it that one is so vibrant and full of life in and around and the other one is desolate and, and dead? What's the difference? And if you look at the map, you'll have maps in the back of your Bible, right? If you look at the map, you will see the difference very quickly the northern sea of galilee right is fed from the north and it and in turn it feeds the jordan river beneath it doesn't it if you look at the map water comes in and water goes out there's no rocket science you don't, need, you don't need to have a special degree. You don't have to know all about the salinity and the, the Sea of Galilee versus the Dead Sea. You don't, you, those are all factors. But there's a reason why the Dead Sea is as nasty as it is under the surface and within it, its content, right? The Southern Sea, the Dead Sea, is only in receive mode. All the water flows in. By the way, it came from the Sea of Galilee, down the Jordan, into the Dead Sea, but it never comes out. Never goes out. Never goes out. None flows out. It's all about the flow. One sea is full of flow, and the water's moving, and it's vibrant, and there's the, the, the things are getting stirred up and flushing through, if you will, all the bad stuff, and downstream. And the other sea, it's just full of what it's full of. It's not good. And both the, the, the Sea of Galilee and the, the, sea, the Dead Sea are fed by the Jordan River. And again, the only thing that's different is that there is an outlet. Right? It takes in water, the Sea of Galilee, and then it gives it out. And the, these two bodies of water, the, the, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, I think that they show us, and they, they're a witness, if you will. They're evidence of even our human life and who we are as people, in the spiritual sense, that who we are and how we will thrive, how we will live, and what will happen in our lives, and, and how our lives will be as we go through this life on earth. It's receiving and then giving back that life and hope are sustained. When you close in and you hold everything for yourself, Things get caustic. Things get stagnant. Things get 
built up with all the bad stuff and then it never gets flushed out or cleaned. There's no movement. Oxygen levels go down and all of a sudden you have nothing but death. It's simple science, really. But it's simple truth spiritually as well. Here's, I'll put it in other words. The Sea of Galilee is a conduit. And the Dead Sea is a container. Are you a container or are you a conduit? That's part of the message today. Are you a container or are you a conduit? What are you doing with that living water that has been poured into you? You might argue and say, but Jesus says that if you believe in me, that, that you will have that springing in you, it will be coming up, and it would be overflowing, right? It'll be, it'll be have, you have a way of stopping off that flow, believe it or not. But I just can't contain it. Yeah, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, He said that I have come to give life and to give it how? To give it abundantly, which means it's overflowing. There's so much of it that, that it can't be contained. It's just going on. It's, it's exploding at the seams, right? And yet, we can stop or stymie that. You know how I know it's true? Because in the New Testament, Paul writes about these things, and he says some things in their context. You can read them. But overall, they still hold true. And there's two words. One of them is, Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that there's, there's, there's bubbling going inside you. That means you're on fire inside, right? You're ignited by the zeal, the passion, the love of God, and you're burning inside. And he's saying, don't quench the Spirit of God when He's leading you, moving you, and He's, he's always doing something consistent with the Word of God. He'll never do that, by the way. Not outside of that. And always point to Jesus, right? But when that's burning us, don't stop it. That's happening to somebody around you. It's happening in the community. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Don't do it. There's another word. He also says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? When you quench the Spirit of God, it is a picture here with the, the, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. When you quench the Spirit of God, you are resisting or you're prohibiting the Holy Spirit of God from doing what He wants to do. And you want it on your terms or you want it to look the way you want it to look. Don't do it. Because I'll tell you right now, you're missing out and it could be suffocating you. Quenching means to put a wet blanket over the fire. Frankly, it means other things, but that's the gist. That's what it means. And when you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, you're doing something that hurts Him. You're doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing and He doesn't want you to do. Namely, sin. Right? Simple as that. Don't grieve. Don't quench. Now, what is it about this? What is it about? And Please miss, don't misunderstand me. But I mean what I say. Don't try to control the Holy Spirit. You can run off. I've said this before, and I have no apologies. And you know what? They're hearing me. You're hearing me. I'm fine. I know who I am. I know, I know the Word of God. Not perfectly, but I know the Word of God. I read the Word of God. I've been a Christian. I've been a believer. I know who Jesus is. He's my Savior, my Lord. But listen, don't get in the way of the Holy Spirit. We're good at doing that. We are. We're really good at doing that. You may not believe that, but we're good at doing that. 
And we're good at doing that with other people as well. We want to stop the flow of the Spirit of God. Because we determine, not the Word of God, not the Spirit Himself, we determine who should do what, how, when, and where, even when it's consistent with the Word of God. Don't do it. Don't do it. But also don't grieve. Don't think you could do whatever you want because I got God and I'm good and I'm a container and I'm all set. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm going to hoard my salvation and the Spirit of God and I can just live however I want. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But grieving also comes when you quench because He's saddened when you try to put up a block with what He wants to do in your life or in the life of others, but especially yours. You know what, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to one word that we don't like. Control. Control. I want to control how it looks, what it feels like, how it should feel like for me or for you or anybody else. And God says, what are you doing? You're quenching. You're grieving. Stop it. And He weeps because we're cutting short the life that He wants to give us and flow out of us and to experience and to know all that He has as we go into His Word, as we are in our prayer closets, as we're with one another seeking God and allowing the gifts to move among us. Don't quench God. Don't do it. We're missing out if we do. There's so much life. I mean, He is life, right? His words are spirit and life, Jesus said. His words and spirit are life. They go hand in hand. We take the Word of God. We go into His presence and His Holy Spirit works in us and it's bubbling. Go for it. Let loose. Don't try to control. Don't try to control. But we want to. You know why? Because we get uncomfortable. We get uncomfortable. We get uncomfortable with how it might look or how someone else might look or what someone might say. Or how, and we get so uncomfortable. This isn't... And I'm not advocating for a free-for-all with craziness and wackiness. No, it's not the point. The point is, don't quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. And what you receive, you've got to give out. Don't control. Now, listen, I thought about this. And this idea of this receive mode only, right? And the living water that Jesus promises, He gives us His Holy Spirit when we believe on Him and we're born again. It comes into our hearts, right? But so many people, it's just captured there. It just stays there. It's that container, right? And again, over time, it can become stagnant. And that's clearly never Jesus' intention. Never. Why would people try to just capture and hold this water for themselves? Right? Well, there's some reasons. I have some thoughts. Maybe it's a scarcity mentality. What I mean by that is, well, will there be enough for everybody else? That might sound silly if you're a Christian and you've been a believer, but you know what? It actually comes down more to hoarding and wanting Him for yourself more than sharing Him with somebody else. Right? Really, in sincerity. But, but maybe you think that. Maybe some of you think that. That's not, that's, there's enough to go around for every single person of God, believe me. There can never be a shortage of God's Spirit in your life and for those around you. There can't be. It's impossible. Or maybe you have a narrow focus. You have a really narrow focus. You know what that focus is? Life is all about me. The Sea of Galilee 
It wasn't like that. It was never about itself. It was giving out. It was pouring out. And there was life. There was flow. There was nutrients and oxygen and the right minerals and content and everything else. And it was thriving not only inside, but also on its banks, all around the shores. You might struggle with that. You have a narrow focus. And it stagnates that water that the Holy Spirit, He's already in you and you're stagnating. You're blocking. You're, you're, you're suppressing it. You're putting it. Maybe it's Honestly, bad theology. You know, you, you have this weird view, or this, and, and, this is, and it's connected to the narrow focus. And you know what that bad theology is? God works for me. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Hello? No, he doesn't. You're supposed to work or submit to God and the Holy Spirit, and then he does whatever he wants, but you keep submitting and surrendering so that he can be lifted up and glorified, right? And elevated that Jesus is the center of it all. And you think that God's sole purpose is to bless your socks off. That's all you think about. We get that, and we are blessed. Because all the riches in Christ Jesus are ours, and we don't live like it, and we don't act like it. And so we don't, we don't treat or handle that living water inside of us as something that is ours, that... that, that It's only there to bless me. No, it's there for others. Maybe it's just greed. Again, this this will come down to one word in a second. But more God, if we could even say that, we have more God. You have all of God, right, if you're a Christian. But more God, I want to get more God, and I want more of Him. I want more power. I want more riches. I want more fame. I want more, you fill in the blank. And again, it's all about you, and it's on your terms. There are many reasons why. That we can have this water become stagnant and put a block on the outflow in our lives to others and those around us where this living water flows and brings life. But it comes down to just one motive for trying to contain God's blessing of that that living water. You know what it is? It's self-centeredness. It's self-centeredness. We have a choice to make. Now, I know that in Christ Jesus we're all alive, but I'm still going to use that term alive here because I think it applies. We can either prefer to be alive or dead. Existing or thriving. Let's let's make it more clear. Do you just want to exist or do you want to thrive? Because if you just exist, you become stagnant and you're just there and you're content where you are and you've had just enough of God and you want to control things and you don't want to get nervous and you're afraid of what God's going to do in your life and you get nervous about that little tingly feeling you get inside. I'm not advocating mysticism. This is God. This is the Holy Spirit. He touches us. He moves. That's not what, but it's real. But don't try to control him. Go, let go. Relinquish control. Give in to God. Give in to his word. When you're praying, submit to the Holy Spirit and to God the Father and his authority and the word of God that's so powerful and let it do amazing things in your life. I'm not talking, again, physically about being dead or alive, but spiritually, yet the two can be related, by the way. But I, I can hear, I can hear in some of you, there's a resistance. There's a resistance. But I have to cling to Jesus because my life is so difficult and without him I can't do it. I've got to hold on to him and keep all of them. I just got to stick close and just shelter in place. And life is tough and the world's cruel and evil and crazy. Listen, here's the irony. Here's the irony. The more we try to hold, the, hold Jesus in, the more stagnant we become. 
it's almost like it's almost like it's counterintuitive, right? To think that the best use, and I don't, I, I don't know how else to express this, because this is almost wrong to say it that way, but it's the best use of the Spirit and that living water inside of us is to let go. Just let go. But consider, listen, even though the Dead Sea is polluted with chemicals and all those harsh chemicals and, and the salt and, and where it's situated and there's no outlet, it could be swept clean if only there was ongoing supply of that fresh, clean, living water. Do you know that? If one end would just be opened up, life could enter in. Do you want to stay stagnant and dead? Or do you want to let go and let that other, and there be an outlet and release and just let God flow out of you and not operate in fear or control or trying to dictate to God how He's got to do it in your life? Let the Word do that. Let the Spirit do that. Submit and let Him do it. Even the Dead Sea is not lost, if you will. You know how I know? There's a beautiful thing that when you think about what's going on in the topography and geography there in that region, who knows? What if there is an earthquake and all of a sudden it gets raised up and water can start coming out while it receives? Is that impossible? No, it's not. There is seismic activity. There is tectonic plates out there. If something shifts and it gets elevated, even just a couple a dozen feet or meters, whatever, and all of a sudden it starts as an outflow and there's still an inflow and now life is coming in. Something can happen. But I have great confidence in the Word of God and that the Word of God is true and the Word of God is right. Listen, Ezekiel 47. You may never think about this. Maybe you've never read Ezekiel. Read it. But in Ezekiel chapter 47, there is this great river that's flowing down, right, from the temple, right? Ezekiel has this vision. And it's, and it's the water that's flowing out as it goes, and it goes further. It's first shallow and gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And no, I'm not going to address the depth of that water, because some of you are familiar with that and go down certain veins of interpretation that might not be totally accurate or good. Okay? But here's what it says. If you read Ezekiel 47, verse 8. It's amazing. It says there that there's a great river flowing that will make the Dead Sea fresh again as it flows through down through the Gulf of Arabah. If you can't see it in that text, do some research of the, the names of the region and, and the, the bodies of water. It's talking about that sea that's dead. It will one day have life in it again. Their hope, all hope is not lost for a dead sea. Just as not all hope is lost for you, especially if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior and believed on Him so that rivers of living water are in you and flow into your life so they can also flow out that you might be a blessing to others as well. Do you know in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 10, in the Garden of Eden, there was a great river there. God supplied it. God was the source He created. He put, it, he put it there. Right? He put that river, and all around that river, there's the tree of life. There's, there's all kinds of vegetation. There's thriving. There's life. There's, there's, there's all kinds of animals. 
creatures that God created, and it's powerful because there is one purpose for that river and for that body of water. I'll touch on that in just a moment. But God provides that river in creation. Right? And then you go to Revelation, to the other bookend, in chapter 22 of Revelation. And the first two verses in Revelation 22, you find another river there. And God is the source of that river as well. And that water is coming out, and there's life, and there's, it's, it's, it's coming forth, and it's doing healing and amazing things there. And then you put Ezekiel chapter 47 in the middle, and you see something, you find something absolutely amazing. Do you know what the purpose of that river and that water was? To heal and to provide life. But it's water that wasn't just standing there, it was moving It was moving. There was flow. It was coming out. It wasn't stuck in one place. The nastiest thing to see sometimes when you go on a hike is a pool of water that you know has been sitting there for months or years and it's mucky and nasty and green and nothing's growing and it stinks and it's terrible. It's death. Because the water is not moving. The purpose of the river is life and healing, just like it is with the Spirit of God. When He's given to us, we believe on Him. And Jesus said, man, if you believe in me, that's just gonna, I'm going to give you that water. You know, I talked about that earthquake that might happen. It could happen. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how God's going to do it one day in future fulfillment when that Dead Sea is going to have life in it. But I'll tell you what, and let me ask you a question. Have you seen the Lord, maybe for some of you, or maybe He's going to do it now, allow your life to be turned upside down with seismic activity in your heart of hearts, right? And then, maybe you've been through this, and you come on the other side and you find freshness and new life below that surface in your life. Everything is falling apart on the outside. And earthquakes are happening all around you, if you will. And the water's are finally just thriving in your life. Have you been through that? I think we've experienced that, some of us, in our lives. In other words, if I go back to that Dead Sea, the Dead Sea could find life again if it just opened up. Let me finish with this. Open up. Open up. Not to anything, not to everyone, but open up to the Word of God. Open up to the Holy Spirit working in your life as He conveys and illuminates your mind with the truth of the Gospel, the Word of God. You'll be blown away with what kind of life comes out of you. You'll be living an abundant life that's overflowing. And the purpose of that, it's given to you, the Spirit He's given to you, so that you can give life to others. Oh, you're not the source, but... Jesus is the source who lives in you, and as you give Him out, others are healed spiritually. They're born again. They're saved. They realize that what is dead can be made alive when the Holy Spirit flows through by faith in someone's life. When they give up control. We talk about lordship. When you surrender and you just, that's it. I'm not doing it my way. I'm not putting a block on that. I'm going to get rid of my sin. I'm going to repent. I'm going to acknowledge that my way doesn't work. And I'm, I'm, I'm woefully short of God's standard. All of a sudden, that living water flows in. And life, life, life. And it's overflowing. And how do you contain it? Well, we contain it with some of the things I mentioned as well as others. 
Let's stop containing it. Let's not allow the voices of the world. Let's not allow the culture. Let's not allow the lies. And even though it's all pressed against us and we're shut up, if that happens, wherever you are, don't allow that to exist. Open up and speak forth and project forth, if you will, that living water out of your life by living righteously and holy and in a way that is you're fearing God, but you're also proclaiming the truth. Do it. You'll bring life to others. The funny thing is, the more of Christ you give away, the more room you'll have for the fresh flow of the Holy Spirit. We are meant to be a river, not a reservoir. I'm guilty of that. The Holy Spirit pours into our lives just as the northern springs pour into the Sea of Galilee, right? And as we study the Scriptures, we listen to sound teaching, and we pray, and we find the fruit of the Spirit starts to bloom in our lives. And you know what the amazing thing is? That the gifts of the Spirit are always evident by how we interact with others. They're meaningless when you keep living water in a container. In fact, the fruit might start withering and die away. I don't know. It's possible. So my prayer for you today is not that Christ would live in you. Oh, we'd want that. God wants that. But it's not just that. But my prayer is that, that Christ would live in you and through you. You are not the sole possessor of the Holy Spirit. You are not the one who tells the Holy Spirit what to do. You are not the one who tells the Holy Spirit who should have what gift and when. You are not the one who determines who can be saved when, where, and how the Holy Spirit is as the Word goes forth, the Gospel. You are not the one who says, Holy Spirit, isn't that unclean? And the Holy Spirit says, but I've already called it clean. Why are you calling what's clean unclean? Just like Peter got rebuked. Don't quench, grieve, stop, or block the Holy Spirit. Be an outlet so that there is teeming life and it's all for the glory of God. and It's all for the benefit of so many souls around us that are dead seas. Don't revert and start to be one too. Amen? Amen. That's it. Take it to heart. Process it. Digest it. Bring it to the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit convicts you, act in those areas that you've got to address. If you've been blocking or stymieing the Holy Spirit, knock it off. You're missing out. And so is somebody else. Amen? Lord, as we go this morning and we head to our luncheon, Lord, to enjoy our fellowship with one another, but also with you, Lord God, thank you, Lord, for the hands that have prepared that meal. 
And thank you, Lord, that you have made us a body of Christ, Lord, where your spirit dwells. And we thank you so much for the life you've given us. Father, I pray that as we submit to you, as we yield to your word, and as we surrender to your spirit, God, that we would allow you to flow through us and not just reside in us. Lord, help us, God, to be amazing and powerful ambassadors for you, not because of us, but because of you having your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Be a river, not a reservoir.